0: I love communion. I, I love the bread and and the wine. And it's because it helps us to get back to the central truth of Christianity. The message can get muddled, but when you come to the Lord's table, there are two elements. I'm glad God didn't give us twelve things to remember. Two elements, and they're basic. They're basic to the truth of Christianity. It is the bread, the body of Christ. It is the wine, the blood of Christ. Because in essence, the trouble with mankind is sin. And these two elements, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, triumph and defeat sin in our lives. We're going to read out of Romans chapter 5 in just a moment. Romans chapter 5 is where we'll find our thoughts. Scan our eyes down to verse 6. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus upset the apple cart of his ministry. Things were going really well. Multitudes were coming. His popularity was growing. So much so, I'm sure the disciples were very excited about the prospects of the future. But then he messed it all up. Jesus messed it all up. He said to the crowds this, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. This greatly offended the crowd. You talk about a a church clearing out? It wasn't a church split. It was a church evacuation. They they left in droves. So much so that he looked at his disciples and said, Are you going to leave me also? What could be so offensive? Well, it was offensive to their ears. They were thinking in physical terms. How do we eat this man's flesh? How do we drink this man's blood? But he wasn't talking about a physical eating and drinking. He was talking about something Way more significant than that, he was talking about the spiritual life of drinking his blood for the forgiveness of what we have done, the cleansing of our sin. And he was talking about eating his flesh. This gives us victory over who we are. These two aspects I want to focus on out of Romans because we have two. We have the bread and the wine. We have two issues that we have problems with. Number one, what we have done in life. That's where the blood comes in. The forgiveness of what I've done, what I've thought, what I've said. But Christianity is more than just forgiveness. If that was it, that would be incredible but it's I need more than forgiveness for what I've done. I need deliverance from who I am inside. Therein is the body. Look at Romans chapter five. The first we, we talk about is birth truths. This is how you get born again, verse six. "For while we were still weak. In due time, the King James says, in the right time, the ESV says, Christ died for the ungodly. There it is, the great statement of the first half of Christianity, of the birth truths, that he died for the ungodly. He didn't just die for our sins. He died for the sinner. For us, he died in our place. Substitutionary atonement. He substituted his righteous life to pay for our sins for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows, God commends his love. He displays his love. Notice in that while we were yet sinners, rebellious against God, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, notice the second part of Christianity. The first part gets you into the faith. The first part gets you into the family. But it's not enough just to be born again. That's the starting place. Notice the next half of the Christianity that many times is not preached and taught clearly enough. Since therefore we have been justified, now justified by his... By the way, let's just stop and say how beautiful it is to be fully forgiven and justified. Our sins will never find us out. They will never come up again. When he looks at you, you're purified. You are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Your spiritual life does not determine how you are living it right now. The basis of your Christianity is in heaven in Christ. You are... I don't care how you feel. I don't care what... Christians should never experience the guilt of their sins because it is gone. Free. If we carry guilt as believers, we do it because we have pride. Because we thought we were better. We weren't better. I'll just let you in on it. We weren't. But He has cleansed us, we are now justified by His blood care what mistakes you've made. I don't care who you've hurt, who you've harmed. It is all under the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice the second part. Much more shall we be saved, delivered by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled. We are saved by his life. I am not delivered from who I am by my strong prayer life, by my faithful church attendance. I don't grow because I read the book. I realize that I'm complete in Christ and I love the book. We don't strive to grow We grow as a result of realizing that his life is in us and that is what delivers us. He doesn't deliver us from sin. Did you catch that? He doesn't deliver us from sin. He cuts us off from sin completely. He removes the sinner from the situation. Sin still dwells within the heart of the believer. You know that. The flesh is still there. We can say and do all the things that a lost person could do and probably a little better. We know it's still there. He didn't deliver us from that. He cut us off and delivered it by his life, by the cross, by our co-crucifixion, and now his life dwells within us. This is a, his body and his blood, his blood that forgives me, his body that delivers me from sin itself by separating me from it. Notice verse 12. Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, that was Adam, and death through sin, death was the result of sin, and so death, notice, spread to all men. Like an infectious disease, you were born into Adam, you, it spread. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin was not counted when there is no law. Yet death, notice death reigned from Adam to Moses. Moses brought the law. And yet without the law from all those thousands of years, death still was the king. That's what it means to reign. It means the king. You you know... When you have a king in authority, you don't question the king. The, queen, the king rules and reigns. The lost man has very little choice about what they do. Now, they can choose to live a better life than they might not, but ultimately sin, is it reigns. Notice, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Are there different ways to sin? Here, the sinning wasn't after the same likeness as the sin of Adam. What does he mean by that? It means this. Adam was born... Innocent. He wasn't born sinless. He had the potential to sin. But he was born in a state of innocence. He was given clear declaration, clear warning to stay away from sin. He had the intellect that was incredible, he had a will that was sharpened, he knew the commandments. Now, what's interesting when you move into the story and you watch what happened in the garden, it said that when Eve came along, she was deceived. It says that several times in the New Testament, that Eve being deceived. She'd gotten secondhand information from Adam to stay away from the tree. She was deceived. Now, her being deceived was just as wicked as what Adam was fixing to do, but it was deception that got Eve. But not so with Adam. When Adam was, and, and by the way, in the story, it looks like he was standing right next to her because she said she, it says she ate the apple and then she turned and gave it to A- Adam. He was standing there the whole time, silent, and she was deceived. You got to know Adam was an incredible intellect, perceptive to life. When she bit that apple, I'm going to suggest to you that she watched her he watched her countenance fall. I think he saw the result of her biting that apple almost immediately. He watched the effects of sin as Eve ate the apple, turned him. You ever notice somebody just looks different than they normally look? You know, your husband, your wife comes in, your friend comes in. You go, man, what's wrong with you today? You didn't say a word. You could just see it on their face. When Adam turned to Eve, or Eve turned to Adam, he watched it and saw it, and he willfully took the apple, willfully bit it. Now, what would have happened if Adam had not bit the apple? You ever asked yourself that question? I have my theory. I think God would have killed Eve and started over with a brand new woman. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, if Adam doesn't go along with the deal, he hasn't sinned. Do you punish him? Well, Anyway, just I think he'd have slayed Eve and put Adam back to sleep and started over again. You can't... The point is, when Adam turned, he willfully bit the apple, knowing the effects of sin, understanding fully what he was doing. For Eve, it was deception. It was a thing that she had did that she needed forgiveness from. But for Adam, it was willfully taking the apple. This is a picture of we as sinners needing deliverance from that willful disobedience. The body and the blood. Notice it says the second Adam at the end of that verse is a type of the one who was to come. This is Christ, the second Adam. How does Christ, the second Adam, come in the same type as the first Adam? Because Jesus willfully chose righteousness. Adam willfully chose sin. Christ being full of facility, full of intellect, full of spiritual perception, made a conscious choice not to sin in righteousness. Same as Adam made a conscious choice to sin. But this group from Adam to Moses didn't sin to the degree that Adam did willfully. It was infected in them, it was deception within them, and yet it was needed to be punished and forgiven. Eve is a picture of the forgiveness of what we have done by deception. But again, the blood does nothing to overcome sin. It is the cross of Jesus Christ, crucifying the sinner, separating himself from the rebellious Adam, giving us freedom over the nature and the flesh within us. A couple more verses, then we'll enter into the Lord's table. Verse 15, the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more. Have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace that of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Sin spread like a cancer. Grace comes in not spreading, superabounding over the effects of that sin. It's altogether different. But not for all humanity. The offer is to all humanity. But only those who come by faith in Jesus Christ receiving the free gift. Notice verse 18. The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. One man's sin automatically all become lost. But it's not like that with grace. By the obedience of one, not all men automatically become saved. All men are positioned now to be able to be saved, but we know that we know that the the way is straight and narrow, and few find life. Verse seventeen: For if because of one man's oh, well, let's read verse sixteen, and the free gift is not like the result of one. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift, following many trespasses, brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, Adam, death reigned like a king through that one man, much more will those who receive. That's the difference. It's the one who receives. Uh, The world lost a giant last week in Charles Krauthammer what a what a profound human being. He was Jewish. He died uh, just last week of cancer at the age of close to 70, I believe, or 21 years old, dove into a pool, broke his spinal cord. Just an intellect, just incredible intellect. If you never heard him, you never read him. He's, he's quite an intellect. He's Jewish. But in all the commentaries and in all the speaking of of his life there's no mention of the faith of Jesus Christ he's a Jew and as great a man as he was to overcome what he overcame if he didn't know Jesus if he didn't receive the abundance of life crowd in hell heaven or hell are separated by a very thin line it's faith in Jesus Christ It's receiving of Jesus Christ. It's not religious practices. It's simply the free gift that one reaches out and receives. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Notice what we do now. We reign in life. We are kings and queens. We reign in this life. We don't live under the muddle of things. There are circumstances that will tear your heart out. Some of you in this place are going through that right now. There are things that will raise you up and things that will bring you low. But those are not the eternal things. The eternal thing is the abundance of grace that is brought to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was in the Navy, I was on a small destroyer. When the, uh, out to sea, when uh, the waves got high, my little destroyer bobbed like a cork in the water. I was always interested to see uh, the aircraft carriers come by us because no matter how big the storm was, the carriers just did this. Hardly ever moving. In fact, we would all be throwing up And they would all be on the, we'd look over in the deck and they'd be playing basketball. Hate those guys. When your life is rooted and founded in Jesus Christ, there are waves that hit. But the stability that Christ gives and the eternal nature of things causes one to still reign in life. There are things in life that are little realities, little R realities, and there's a big R reality. Okay? What we, could, what we experience in this life is reality, but it's a small R. Violet's lived for 108 years. 108 years. She walks to the Bible study. She sits. I don't know how much she can hear. She sits right next to me. I hope she can hear what I'm saying right now. I don't know. <laughs> she suffered the loss of hearing suffer the loss of many things as you might expect at 108 years old. But that's her little R. That's a temporary reality. Lord tarries much longer unless she just keeps going. She'll step out into glory and the big R reality will come to pass and she'll see Jesus Christ and she'll hear and she'll see and she'll experience life this is, this is the great reality of our lives, the person of Jesus Christ.